The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, strikeouts. That goes down. That's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show in week two of the 2023 season. On today's program, we'll speak with outfielder first baseman Luke Raley about a terrific week for the team leader in homers. We'll review the past week with Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. We'll also give you a peek at our special 25th anniversary podcast with James Shields with a segment from that show. And we will look ahead to the Boston Red Sox series with their longtime broadcaster, Joe Castiglione. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and our feature guest has had quite the start to the 2023 season, and that's outfielder first baseman Luke Rielli. Luke, thanks so much for a few minutes. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Tell me what this start has meant to you, and you've had a, a lot of great things happen in this very short period of time. Yeah, it's a great start. Um, most importantly, the team's winning games, and, and that's you know the, the main goal. Individually, I've had a good start to the season, hope, hope to continue it. And we'll get to some of those moments, but first, give us an idea how you got started in the sport of baseball. You grew up in Ohio, I know that, but were there other sports that you were playing and you had to make a choice? How did baseball become your number one? Yeah, um, my dad was a baseball player. He played at Cleveland State. So baseball was kind of, he played softball when when I was first born, so I was around softball more than baseball, but I uh, immediately loved baseball. I also... Uh, played football which was my second favorite sport or I they were very close I, I really love football I also played basketball and wrestled but I wasn't uh, nearly as good at those two so at what age did you kind of make a choice hey baseball's my thing I know you went to junior college before you got drafted by the Dodgers yeah I um I stopped I stopped playing football after my sophomore year of high school um the decision kind of was because I wanted to play baseball in college but also I was really small I was only Boy, when I got my driver's license, I was 5'6", 145. So I was, uh, I was very small and got beat up on the football field for a while and decided that baseball was, was the route to take. So you're now how tall and how big weight-wise, and when did the, when did the spurt occur? I'm, I'm 6'4", 225 now. Um, I grew a lot before my senior year of high school, and then I grew another two or three inches while I was in college. So were you always, what did you play before outfield and first base? Were you like a middle infielder? Because 5'6", 145, I'm probably not thinking corner, infield, corner, outfield. I, I played a lot of center in high school. Um, my sophomore year of high school, I played, I actually played first base. Even though I was short, um, it was kind of our only open position, and, and I got stuck there. So. And as a kid, did you grow up going to Cleveland well, then Indians, now Guardians games. And who were the guys that you wanted to be like when you were when you were younger? Oh, yeah, I, I, I went to a lot of uh, tribe games back then. And um, I loved Grady Sizemore, Kenny Lofton, Jim Tomey, Travis Hafner. The, those were those were the four guys I really loved on, on that team, on those teams. So should I not be surprised that you're a left-handed hitter and every person you just named was left-handed? <laughs> I, I, I guess, uh, you know, that's that's what I always looked for. What was uh, you went to junior college as mentioned? 
was that a tough decision for you? Were you looking at other schools? What was kind of the period before you decided to go that route? Yeah, it's, uh, Lake Erie, actually a Division two school. Um, so, I, so I went to a D2 school. My brother played there. He was a pitcher. Um, he was three years older than me. So his senior year was my freshman year. And, yeah, I mean, the, the decision wasn't easy. Um, I committed early, but I didn't have any Division one offers. So um, it was one of those things where I had an offer to Lake Erie. I could go play with my brother, and that's what I decided to do. Is it a bit of a, a chip on your shoulder that uh, some people would? Like Josh Fleming is a guy who went to a Division three school and made it to the majors, and here you are, a Division two guy who made it to the majors. Because you didn't have those Division one offers early on, did that help motivate you in some way? Yeah, it absolutely motivated me, um, kept kept me working. You know, some, sometimes I feel like, you know, at, at least in the past, I felt like, you know, maybe I don't belong here because I did go to Division two school. So that's, you know, it – it goes hand in hand where it does motivate you, but at the same time, sometimes in the back of your head, you're like, well, maybe I don't deserve to be here. Um, so, you know, it's it's great. You know, there's not many Division Two guys that make it here. Are there others that you know of, and what does it mean? Is there like a kinship or almost brotherhood between some of those guys, whether the D2, D3, that don't necessarily didn't get the – some guys just are late bloomers, as you were with your height. Right. Um, you know, I – not not too many current guys right now. Um, there's a couple guys from Lake Erie that are still in the minor leagues, and and you know those guys we have a little, little bit more of a connection. Um, but the one guy that I you know when I was at Lake Erie who was doing really well in the big leagues was Matt Adams, and I knew that he went to a Division two school, so he was kind of a guy that I always looked up to, and you know wanted to be like him, you know come from D2 school and go be successful in the major leagues. So you get drafted by the Dodgers. What did it mean when you got drafted? And do you remember much about draft day? Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember a lot. Um, it, I got drafted in the seventh round, and I was the first Division II position player taken in the draft, which was which was really cool. Um, yeah, it's honestly, the Dodgers was, was probably uh, the team I expected to be drafted by the least. I did a lot of... Uh, pre-draft workouts and my Dodgers workout was by far my worst workout uh, I kind of thought that I had had you know that had come and gone and turns out in the seventh round they they decided to take me which obviously worked out but you took a circuitous route to get to the big leagues with the Dodgers because you got traded to Minnesota and then back within basically a year's time what was that like crazy um, you know the the first trade when I got traded to the twins happened 15 minutes before the trade deadline. So I was actually walking to the field in double A. We were in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And I remember walking to the field and we got I got a call from uh, you know our farm director. He was like, you've been traded to the Twins. And I was like, holy crap, I'm supposed to play first base today. You know, like it, it, it was weird. Your first trade, I think, is always going to be weird. Um, then going back to the Dodgers was just crazy as well I was down in Fort Myers getting ready for spring training with the twins and I got a call the night before spring training started and said hey rails you've gotten traded and I was like okay to who and they said the Dodgers and I was like of all teams I couldn't believe that that's where I was going back to so yeah it it was certainly wild and then you end up coming to the Rays last spring what were you thinking when that happened and when did you start to feel comfortable in this organization because I get a sense that you're much more comfortable now than you were last spring training yeah um getting traded over here I I kind of saw something was going to happen uh in spring training two years ago when I was over with the Dodgers they were signing people they had just signed Freddie Freeman or were about to sign him and 
and you know I kind of thought that I might be somebody that was on a chopping block for a DFA or something and they end up finding a trade uh, beforehand uh, yeah being comfortable over here I'm much more comfortable this year than I was last year it's just one of those things when you get to know people and they get to know you and see who you are as a person it, it really does change things so um, and I have that kind of personality where I don't like to come off too strong because I'm very sarcastic and you want to make sure that people understand that you're sarcastic before you you know come out and start saying things that you know trying to be funny so who competes with you sarcasm wise among either the guys that you knew last year in Durham or the guys that you know in this clubhouse here oh yeah a, a lot most of the guys you know uh, definitely last year in in uh, AAA uh, JLo Master Boney Tristan Gray Ruben Cardenas those guys are always uh, we are always giving each other you know some crap and stuff like that so laughing and stuff like that Bilal, you know, he's he's pretty funny over here. That's something that I didn't really realize last year, even when I was up, Bilal was wasn't always around and so getting to know the guys it makes a it makes a huge difference. Yeah, certainly, and you guys are like a brotherhood and I'm sure that they're also extremely supportive teammates off the field. You got engaged this offseason. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm very excited and uh, you know, getting married next next December, so it's exciting. Your your um, fiance is an athlete too, right? She was a college athlete. Yeah, she played volleyball at Cleveland State. So, how much does that help to have someone who, it's different, major leagues versus college, but understands what you go through when you go through good stretches, bad stretches, etc. Absolutely, she, and she understands more than most. Her brother actually played in the NFL, so uh, she really, you know, gets gets the professional athlete aspect of it. And how did you, uh, anything unique with your proposal? Did you get really creative or was it very simple? No, um, it, it wasn't anything crazy. We just kind of, we went to a park and found a found a nice little spot that we could, we were kind of secluded and with good views. And I had my friends there and they were taking pictures and did it and all. So we got some good pictures out of it for her and, and myself to be able to remember the moment and stuff like that. That's awesome. And you should know about good areas to take pictures or or nature because your family is tangentially kind of involved in that. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, my dad, uh, my grandpa started a tree, uh, pine tree business, uh, evergreen trees um, in the 70s. And my dad took it over. And since I've been around, it's always been a thing that we do. So their main business is selling bald and burlap trees to landscapers. And then in the uh, Christmas tree season, we do Christmas trees as well. Did you end up getting pulled into the family business during the holiday season, or how does that all work? Oh yeah, I've uh, I've worked there since I was about twelve, so I've sold a lot of Christmas trees. So, is that your favorite holiday, or not your favorite because of the work you had to put in? It's my favorite holiday because December twenty fifth was always the day we were done working. So, it is absolutely my favorite holiday. It means that we're done selling Christmas trees, and in that month stretch of selling trees is over. I would guess, too, that if you're uh, pulling around Christmas trees, it makes almost, I don't know if I'd use the word country strong, but there's a different kind of strength that goes with that kind of manual labor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, I don't know if you've seen, but Brady and I, when, when I hit a home run, we're, we're loading Christmas trees. So that's kind of a, our thing, um, you know, and yeah, everyone has always said, oh, he's country strong, country strong. So. It, it definitely didn't didn't hurt my strength uh, carrying trees growing up.
Well, hopefully it'll continue to help. You've had some really cool moments, as we mentioned at the top. You had a base hit in RBI in your first opening day. You had never been to an opening day. You had a two-homer game already, and you had a tying homer in the ninth inning. Which moment is your favorite so far and why? Uh, I, li- I like the ninth inning home run. Just, you know, it, we, we, you know, winning games, and we wanted to keep winning games. And so th- that was a big home run in the situation. That's really helped the team win. I think that one more than, more than anything else helped the team win, and that's, that's what I want to do. Have you had a walk-off hit yet, either minors or majors? I've had a couple in the minors, n- never in the majors. Well, let's certainly hope there's some in your future on that end. You're also one of the few guys in this clubhouse, I think, you have a World Series ring from the Dodgers? I do, yes. What does that mean to you, and how motivating is it to get back there and be able to play? You're, you won the, the ring for being with the Dodgers in the 20 season when the Rays were the runner-ups. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Uh, a good memory to have, and I want to have a lot more of those memories. We certainly hope there are a lot with the Rays. A couple of quick things uh, for fun. When you're not playing baseball and you're not lugging around trees, what do you like doing? Uh, I play some video games. Um, I'm not a very good golfer, but I enjoy going out and playing and, and being out there. Yeah, I, when I'm back home in the summers, I like to fish, which I haven't got to do in a while because I'm, I'm not around in the good weather. But, um, yeah, those are three things I really enjoy doing. Video game of choice? Um, I like PGA and I like Apex Legends. All right. And shows that you're binging, if you're binging any right now, would be what? Or favorite show to watch? Currently, I'm, uh, I'm watching Australian Survivor. So I've, I've watched all the seasons of American Survivor. Now I'm on to the Australian Survivor, which is pretty good as well. Okay. All right. And uh, music, what's, what's normally that you're listening to? Country music. I, I'm, I would say I'm 99.9% country music. I uh, love Morgan Wallen's new album. That's what I've been listening to for about the last two and a half weeks. Uh, yeah, but anything country does it for me. And I would assume being from the Cleveland area, you are a big Browns fan? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> so favorite player from the Browns, and does your family have tickets? Do you go to a lot of games? What's the? In high school, I used to go to a ton of games. One of my good friends, his dad was a special teams coach there, so we went to almost every home game. Um I, I love Nick Chubb right now. I think he's awesome, just just the way he goes about his business on top of being a fantastic player. So I'm a huge Nick Chubb fan. All right, well, let's hope that you have a season that resembles anything that Nick Chubb does on the field. You're doing pretty well. Uh, congrats on the first week and a half here, and hopefully many more good moments to come. Uh, thank you very much. That's Luke Raley joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. We'll hear from Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. We'll continue in just a moment. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and time to chat about the week on by with our friend Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. Doug, great to talk with you. Well, it's always great to talk, especially when these Rays are off to such a good start, Neely. It's, I mean, it's been an amazing uh, and terrific start. Has anything really surprised you about the way they've gotten going here in the first week and change? Shoot, I'd like to say no. I'd like to say we were all, you know, big fans and we knew this was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, the one thing that is surprising to me is not the victories, it's not the record, it's not the pitching or the defense or really the hitting. It's one part of the hitting that I'm a little surprised about, and that'd be the power. I think the power game is a little more surprising. I don't think that most people were anticipating the the amount of not only home runs, but maybe extra bases, base hits. 
Um, I, I think that alone would be the most surprising thing if I had to look back and just kind of scour over the first part of this year. But I'll tell you, man, I, I mean, when you look back and you see what these guys have done, maybe it shouldn't have been so surprising. I mean, they have the speed. We've talked about in the past how they all are really good with hard hit ability. Uh, now we're seeing it all just come together with a healthy roster. And you hit on it at the last point there, the healthy roster. That's been the issue that the Rays had last year. Two years ago, they were third in the sport in runs scored when their position players were healthy. Major drop-off last year without the health, and knock on wood, they've gotten off to a healthy start. Yeah, and look, I mean, we've talked about you know the fact that these guys would have been totally different last year if you would have had a Wander Franco, a Brandon Lau, a Manny Marco out there for a minimum of 130-plus games. And you take you know the main guys out of any offense, it's going to be a big difference. So when you insert them back in, you're starting to just see the potential of what this you know starting lineup and one through nine can do. And I think the most fun part when you're watching this club right now is that it is a lineup one through nine. It is a thick lineup, right? And you got a guy in uh, Jose Siri who has been you know batting nine hole over the first few games, and he's been absolutely crushing the ball. Right. You know, you, you got guys in the middle of this order that have been helping carry. You got guys at the top half of this order who have been getting on base and, and setting the tone. So everybody seems to be doing their job all the way through the order. And that's why you're seeing so many runs and so many crooked numbers get put up on the board. It's not just one or two guys and one superstar carrying the load. It is one through nine. It's a different guy every night. And uh, again, it's a thick lineup. You brought up Jose Siri, so let's elaborate a little bit on him. I think one of the most important things that Kevin Cash did in the offseason, at least it seems to be, was that he went to the Dominican Republic in the offseason and said to Jose Siri, this is your job. Don't worry about it come spring training. You're not competing for a job. You've got a spot. Go out, relax, and play. I think it was an awesome move. And I think it shows the maturing process of Kevin Cash as the manager, knowing, you know, he, he can almost play therapist a little bit. And I think that's what a good manager has to do. He knows that by going out there, Jose Siri has never really had that opportunity. And to go out, you know, sit down with him and tell him face to face that, hey, look, this this job is yours. We believe in you. Don't worry about numbers through spring. Get yourself ready and hit the ground running. And that's what we're seeing from him. We're seeing a relaxed version of Jose Siri and, and the guy whose true talent is starting to come out. You know, he's a guy who typically has a lot of swing and miss, but a lot of potential in there. Well, you know, through Jose Siri's maturing process, if he can eliminate a little bit of that swing and miss and continue with the hard hate, hard hitting ability and utilize that speed. I mean, this is a guy who really the sky's the limit. And uh, defense wise, I mean, he's one of the best defenders I've seen. And then beyond that, he's not the only one who maybe has been a little bit of a surprise. I, I would put two left-handed hitters, Josh Lowe and Luke Rayleigh, the starts they got off to in that same category too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> look, in the offseason, the national narrative was that the Rays need a left-handed bat. And we were all talking about it. And I know I was talking about it and looking over uh, the trades and, and looking over the free agent signings and, and wondering when the Rays are going to pick up that one free agent that everybody's looking for. And, of course, they didn't. We all know the story, and they went in knowing that uh, they got a healthy roster. They got a couple guys they really believe in, Josh Loeb, uh, Luke Rayleigh, and they want to give them a shot. And at this point in time, it's really paid off. I mean, you know, we talked to Peter Bendix. I talked to Peter Bendix in spring training 
specifically about Josh Lowe. And he was telling us how they believe he is a five-tool player. And, you know, with consistent at-bats, he's going to continue to get better and better. And it will show up at the major league level. You know, and Luke Raley on the other side, he's a power guy who showed great numbers in AAA. And he just hasn't had a consistent chance in the big leagues. So the Rays really wanted to get these guys their shot. And so far, it's been paying off. Both guys have made adjustments in their swing in the offseason. I think that's something else that has helped them throughout the year. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see a good start for both of them. And I'd love to see it, you know, continue through the first half of the season and beyond. You know, Dave always said, though, your your stars need or your best players need to be your best players. And Randy Rosarena has done some things that really stood out. I thought he began the Washington series by beating out a routine ground ball to short, and it was followed by a Luke Rayleigh homer. Later in the series, he makes a great catch, gets a bunt base hit, and then makes a terrific slide to score a run on a double. He's doing some things that I don't know that I recall him doing last year. Do you see the same? Well, I mean, anytime you drop a, a quote from Dave, you got to know that uh, he's 100% on, on point. Uh, you know, Dave had so many good gems, and that's one of them. Your best players do have to play, and you're right on point with Randy Rosarena. Um, you know, we talked about the maturing process of some of the other guys on this team, and and I think Randy Rosarena is one of the guys who's really matured the most. Um, and I'm not so much talking about – uh, I guess mentally as I am just over the course of his career, just the more experience he has, the better he is getting. He understands the game and he understands that, you know, going out there and, you know, basically swinging for the fences at all point in time, maybe not, may not be the best thing for the team. Instead, you want to go out there and be a little more calculated. And, you know, we talked to him and Randy and Chad Matola how, Going in this year, he's going to start looking at the scouting reports for the first time and really start studying and start understanding what pitchers are trying to do to him. And if you think about it, you know, the fact that Randy hasn't studied and done all these things prior to this year is pretty amazing because he's had a great career so far. But now you get a more educated Randy Orozarena, a guy who understands the game a little bit more, understands how to help his team win a little bit more. That's a dangerous Orozarena. He's a guy who's best when the lights are brightest. And, you know, WBC, we saw that. He's carried that momentum from, you know, the WBC and all that success into the regular season. And it's really, really helping this club. Uh, I was talking on the postgame show, you know, one of these last shows with Rich. And I was mentioning, you know, Randy might not have been the star of any of the games early on in the game or early on in the season, but he has been involved with every single win in a big way. You know, Randy, you can look back and every single win, it, Randy has his thumbprint on it. And so he's the guy who really is one of the focal points, you know, offensively, he's going to be a focal point defensively on the bases. And, you know, yes, he does have to step up this year and be consistent. And so far, so good, man. We have seen a great version of Randy Rosarena. No question. You know, we've talked a lot about the offense, but you don't get where you are early in the season without the pitching and the run prevention. And it starts with Shane McClanahan. And I learned more about Shane in his last start against the Nationals, where he really grinded his way through six innings and allowed only two runs um, than you do when he's got really good stuff and, and you know, throws shutout baseball. You know, it's funny. Uh, his last outing reminded me, and not that I want to compare myself to the ace of the staff, but it reminded me when I got to the big leagues, my first start 
I threw a complete game, no hair. It was one of my best starts. It was my best start ever. The second start, I didn't have the same stuff, right? The adrenaline wasn't the same. Everything was just a little bit different. But I went out there without my best stuff, and I still got the win. And I remember after the game, I was, you know, reading an article that Topper wrote. And, you know, he mentioned that Lou Pinella said he learned more about me in the second start than he did in the first start. And what that means is basically you learn about a pitcher when they don't have their best stuff. That's how you know, you know, what type of pitcher this guy is going to be, what type of battler, what's going to happen when he's out there with his without his best stuff. Because over the course of a full season, you will not have your best stuff. I would say almost the majority of the time. Um, and so for Shane to go out there and really, you know, bear down, especially with the bases loaded. We all remember the fourth inning, you know, bases loaded, didn't have any outs and he was able to get out of it unscathed. That's an ace. That's an ace caliber pitcher. And a year ago, maybe that would have surprised some people for him to be able to go out and throw an outing like that. But this year, I mean, going into the season, this is kind of what we expect from him. The high expectations of Shane McClanahan, because he is a top left-hander in the game, not just on this roster, but in the game. And he's showing it. I mean, his stuff touches 100 miles an hour. He's got four pitches. He throws them all for strikes. And mentally, he's a battler. He can go out there and just go to war and not be afraid of any situation. And that's when you know you got a true number one on your team. Well, let's hope the other guy who can be a true number one, Tyler Glass, now is back within the next month and the Rays can continue to play this kind of baseball. Doug Wechter, Valley Sports Zone, we certainly appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. Daily, I appreciate it. And I wanted to tell you, buddy, you are killing it right now. You're doing an awesome job, but I love listening to you. Thanks so much. Great to chat with Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. Hey, if you missed it, nine days ago, James Shields symbolically retired as a Ray. And I asked Shields in a special podcast how much it meant to him. Oh, man. I actually been wanting to do this for a while. I mean, COVID, when I when I was done playing, COVID uh, was a, was an issue. So um, so they kind of put this on hold. But um, but yeah, I mean, symbolically, it's, this is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, the Razor had been my family for for the last 20 years, you know, um, or so. Actually, 23 years to be exact. Um, but, you know, I think I had 12 years total as a Ray. I got drafted as a Ray. Um, you know, I grew up in this organization, and, and uh, it's it's pretty special. I mean, it's, it means a lot. What What was the greatest impact that they had on you? Because you had a really big impact on this organization. Um, you know, all, all this coaching staff, um, you know, just in general in the minor leagues, uh, you know, I was on the grind for six years and, and, uh, you know, this whole organization itself has, has prided themselves on, uh, creating that young talent and, uh, and, and to be a part of that young talent. I mean, there were so many guys when I got called, when I got drafted, um, all the way from 99 to Hamilton and Crawford and um, me and Baldelli were in the, the next class and BJ and his class. And I mean, there's been so many good players in here that, uh, you know, that we've all created that bond, um, that family bond of, of being a Ray and, and getting drafted by the Rays, all the way from Johnny Gomes, you know, um, coming through. And uh, so it's always been special. It's always been special moments for, for me and my family. We've lived here in uh, Clearwater for eight years um, during our time here. Um, so we have, a, we have a lot of good, good memories. What are the best memories as a player first? Uh, for me, I mean, just, you know, the 
going from a losing culture to a winning culture is my favorite thing that when people always ask me what's your favorite moment well there's no there's so many moments right it's just, it's uh there's so many moments that that I, I they're countless you know obviously going to the world series being able to win win a game in the world series was was unbelievable for me um you know as a kid you growing up you always want to win a game in the world series and be able to do it for the rays i mean that year in 2008 was just spectacular the whole entire city just blew up i mean everyone was doing mohawks and you know um just really came together uh but that year going from a losing culture to a winning culture and having it be as sustainable as it is today is 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 pretty special um ever since 2008 you know, I don't think the Rays have really had a losing season. I don't think, um, and uh, and that's a testament to the front office and and all the guys that they brought in and um, creating that Ray way. Before we get to some 08 moments, you really had to grind to get there. Can you touch on all the injuries? And was there ever a moment where you're like? this may or may not happen for me? Because I know that there was a lot of talk within the organization with all the injuries you had. Yeah, I mean, I had surgery. Um, I had a little cyst in my shoulder that ended up getting removed. And while they were in there, they found out I had a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. Um, and then two years later, uh, in 2004, I, I ended up having nerve damage in my neck and muscle disappeared in the back of my shoulder. Um, and uh, the doctors were telling me that Nobody's ever, you know, pitched in the big leagues uh, besides uh, besides Wilson, and uh, that had no rotator cuff uh, muscle uh, tissue and stuff, and uh, you know, so I had to fight through a lot of injuries. Um, you know, there was like five and a half years in the minor leagues, and you know, it was a grind. But I mean, I was always determined to, to make it to the big leagues, and and once I got there, I really stayed healthy for the most part. You know, so it's, it was it was pretty good. I saw you when you were just about to get to the big leagues in AAA Durham. And I remember a conversation I had with now manager Kevin Cash, and he talked to me about, because we didn't know at that point who was going to succeed because they were still then the devil rays. Yeah. And he said, this guy has more pitchability than anyone I've been around. Did you kind of feel like you were going to click going up? And what do you remember about your relationship with Kevin as a player at the time? Um, that's pretty nice of Kevin to say, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, he went and caught me, uh, I think for about a month while, while, while I was up there. Um, you know, his version of pitchability is, is, is my version of outworking everybody. Um, and so, and when I, and when I say by that, it's, 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 um, uh, that was, I didn't have the talent that everybody else had. Um, I was a talented pitcher for sure. But there was a lot of other guys that threw harder than me, had better stuff than me. Um, and I think uh, my goal was to outwork everybody. Um, and at least the best of my ability, you know. Um, and I wanted to create that kind of culture here in, in the Rays organization. Um, so when I finally got the call up to, to the big leagues, um, I only had one, one goal in mind was that that was to outwork and outpitch everybody. And, uh, you know, and be a good teammate. And that was, that was my, that was my main, main, main goals. So, yeah. The saying goes, if you don't like it, pitch better. <laughs> a lot of people credit that to you, but it's really from your dad. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my dad, uh, growing up, we, you know, I, I was the youngest of three brothers and, uh, you know, we'd always go to go to the house and we'd complain about this, complain about that, 
you know, it's so-and-so's fault because that's why I didn't do this. And my dad always just said, hey, that, there's no excuses. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. And if you don't like it, play better. If you don't like it, pitch better. If, if uh, you know, I remember in AAA was, was when he really said it to me is, was I had better numbers than a couple guys that were getting called up. You know, I remember uh, telling him, like, why am I not getting called up? And my dad's like, well, you just got to pitch better. And that kind of resonated with me um, because there is no complaining. I mean, at the end of the day, you only can control the controllables. You only can control what you can control as a player. Um, and, uh, you know, wasting your time complaining about what happened or why did it happen, I was not about that. And so that's, that, that kind of brought that into the big leagues and brought that into our culture as a team. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of made us bond a little bit, 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 bit better. Who are you still close to among the group that you played with, especially in that 08 to 12 period? Yeah, I mean, I talked to a lot of the boys over the years, you know, and, and you know, I talked to Price and Garza and, you know, BJ. Um, uh, you know, over the years, I've seen a bunch of guys. Johnny Gomes, I'm in, I'm in contact with. Um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, we, we definitely always uh, catch up and keep in touch with each other. Um, it's again, it's a family. I mean, when you're going to battle with these guys and, and being able to create something that's never been done before, um, especially in this organization, in this building, uh, you become you become brothers for life. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in contact with a lot of them. There are a lot of moments that occurred in that 08 season a lot of people remember you and coco crisp i know you've got some funny stories about that <laughs> yeah. yeah me and coco well you know look it, it's funny because a lot of people they say that that's the turning point of the season you know turning point of of the organization uh for me it was actually spring training um you and elliot johnson and a, a, well elliot johnson slid into home plate and and took out Cervelli, um, and uh, Shelly Duncan decided to slide into Aki at second, and here comes Johnny Gomes from right field, and next thing you know, we're in, we're in a scuffle in spring training. I mean, I mean, nobody who does that, right? Who does that? Well, that's what we were about, and we weren't taking it anymore. And that year, we decided in spring training before it even started. And we're not the little 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 stepbrothers of the American League East anymore. We're not going to let these big boys like the Yankees and the Red Sox step all over us. And uh, we 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 that's that's what our mentality was. I think the Rays and Joe Madden did a great job bringing in guys like Cliff Floyd and Troy Percival to create that culture, along with Johnny Gomes, Crawford, myself. You know, there's a bunch of guys that really just bought into that. And. Um, you know, and it, and it continued throughout the season. It just so happened that, you know, Coco ended up sliding into Aki, almost broke his knee, and I was there the next day to take care of it. So um, we had each other's back, and from then on out, it, there was, there, it was a brotherhood, and it was war, and we were all about kicking their butt on and off the field, and that's what, I, that's what our motto was. But there was a little bit of a fun relationship. You, you ran into him. Oh yeah, no, we, we, Coco and I, uh, we grew up in the same, same area in LA. I actually talked to him the next day after he charged me, asked him why he charged me. And he was like, I don't know. It just hurt. It stung. You know, um, my brother actually pitched against him. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
He, I, I, lo I love Coco. We have a lot of respect for each other. Um, I think it was just kind of one of those moments. And, and to be honest with you, baseball needs stuff like that, you know. Um, I think that, I think that, that, that has gone, gone a little bit away in the game. Um, and we have a respect for each other. I mean, I talked to Coco the next day. Hey, those things happen. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think that's what catapulted our, our Ray Way. That's just a portion of our conversation with James Shields on our special 25th anniversary podcast. You can download that full podcast in its entirety on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you subscribe. Coming up, Joe Castiglione, Boston Red Sox voice, on the upcoming series they have with the Rays. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays baseball as we get set for first pitch. Rays wrapping up a weekend series against the A's. And starting on Monday, the Rays will have their first series in division against the Boston Red Sox. And joining me, their longtime voice, Joe Castiglione. Joe, thanks very much for a few minutes. You're welcome, Neil. Great to be with you. You know, this is a year where I think you can make an argument for any of the teams in this division. What's your feel here in the first weekend change about the Boston Red Sox? They've obviously undergone a lot of change. Yeah, we had a lot of new faces uh, that uh, were not in the organization at this time a year ago who were on the roster. And uh, it's really tough to say. We think they'd score runs. Pitching, of course, uh, it always comes down to that. And uh, starting pitching has been an issue, but two of their prime young starters are beginning the year on the injured list in uh, Garrett Whitlock coming off hip surgery and uh, Brian Bayo had a sore uh, forearm in spring training. If they get those two guys back, uh, the rotation shapes up to be a lot better. So there's still so many question marks uh, with this team. It's a team that uh, has some power, uh, very little, if any, team speed, and which becomes more important in this day and age. The bullpen is much better than it was, especially at the back end. So still many, many questions to be answered. Let's kind of walk through some of that. First, let's start at the back end with the bullpen. Um, the additions seem to make this group thicker and deeper. Where do you think they've improved the most with the pen? Well, certainly with the closer in Kenley Jansen, you know, had the 391 saves entering the season. Uh, he is uh, much more of a lockdown guy than they had in the past. Chris Martin, as a setup man, is a guy that throws strikes. Last year, the bullpen blew 28 saves, and so many of them because of walks late in games. So uh, I think those two make a big difference. Uh, John Schreiber was very good last year. If he can uh, work through the seventh inning, uh, they certainly uh, should be better. Richard Blyer should help. The lefty, of course, has been everywhere in the AL East, but, Tampa, but uh, Toronto, he was with you briefly, and uh, that should make it a little bit better. So uh, we'll see what happens, but there's still so many unknowns. There are a lot of unknowns. You know, I always look at teams that I think can compete for a championship and say they're strong up the middle. How do you think the catching situation resolves itself? And will they miss Christian Vasquez a lot from a defensive end this year, do you think? Well, I thought that perhaps they might try to sign Christian Vasquez back, but he signed with the Twins. It's a concern, certainly. Uh, the Orioles ran wild in their series. Of course, a lot of it has to do with the new rules, and most of the blame has to go on the pitchers. Or the tandem of uh, McGuire and uh, Connor Wong uh, you know, both have never been starters in the big leagues, and certainly some questions there. 
it's uh, certainly something that uh, they have to think about. Of course, the shortstop is Kiki Hernandez. He was a very good center fielder. Uh, Xander Bogarts uh, obviously will be missed, uh, a franchise-type player for 10 years. Christian Arroyo, I think, uh, who, of course, spent some time in the Rays organization, played very well at second base when healthy, but he's never played more than 87 games a year, and that's another question. So there's still so many things to be resolved. I would assume had Trevor's story not gotten hurt, we probably would have been talking about Kike in center field, right? I mean, that kind of changes the parameters as well. And how realistic is it that story can still have an impact at some point this year? Well, he's just now starting to uh, toss a baseball. He had uh, half an anchor put in his elbow. And if he's back by mid or early August, it would be really an accomplishment. He's such a loss because he gives you power, he gives you speed, he gives you defense, especially in this day where you need athleticism. Uh, he was so good. And uh, certainly uh, his bat and legs and glove will be missed. And uh, it, it's going to be a long shot to get him back with any meaningful time this season. And obviously that really prevents what probably would have made a much better defensive team, right, Joe? I mean, if Kike's in center field, and you mentioned he's a center fielder by trade versus, let's say, Adam Duvall or a combination of others, that changes things a lot defensively. Exactly. I think both positions would have been better. Of course, Story played second base for the Red Sox because Xander was here at the time, and he played so well at second base. I think he would have won a gold glove had he had enough games before he got hurt. But, uh, yeah, it, it certainly does weaken the club at uh, different positions not to have Trevor's story. So if they can hang in there until maybe he can get back, uh, it'd be a big plus. They did extend Rafael Devers long term. Does that change his role in the clubhouse? To be, does he become more of a leader type with no Bogarts, no J.D. Martinez? How does that change how he is maybe not on the field but off the field? Oh, I think it will. I think uh, Rafi, he's a, he's a guy everybody loves. Uh, like a big puppy dog. He hugs everybody. He's just a wonderful guy. Uh, 26 years old now, maturing. And now that he has a big contract and he's going to be here for another decade or so, uh, I think that gives him a little bit more cachet. But I think, uh, you know, performance, you lead by performance, that his performance can be spectacular. And uh, I think that he will step up in more of a role there. I think the guy that really uh, will show, and if he can uh, – stay healthy and he has most of his career justin turner will move into a leadership role if he hasn't already done so because of his uh, personality and the way he plays and what he did for the dodgers how big how good a fit do you think he is uh joe along with kike hernandez because the two of them were together with los angeles well i think he's a great fit uh, for the red sox and for the ball club overall he's got that open stance left right hand pull hitter he should be able to hit the wall at fenway Red Sox have not had many right-hand pull hitters like that. Most of their right-hand power has been to the alleys, uh, which can hurt you at Fenway in April and May when the ball to the right center is knocked down by the wind. Of course, this year, uh, early returns show the ball could be a little bit more juiced up. <laughs> uh, that's what Jim Palmer told me. I happen to agree with him based on a very limited sample. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Turner would be a big plus, And uh, Duvall as well, he's had some early heroics already. You you had touched on you know the the question marks we got re, uh, regarding this group and probably Yoshida is the biggest one just to see how his game translates. The returns very small sample size are very good. What's your feel on him? Well, we know very little about him. Never saw him play until early in spring training. Then he left for the WBC where he excelled. We watched him do some awesome things uh, for Team Japan, 
And I think that, uh, you know, that has carried over. He's a more polished player than we thought. I think uh, he's stronger, will give you more power than we initially thought because he's only about, oh, five, eight, five, nine. But he does have, I think, uh, great bat to ball skills, a great strike zone knowledge. And he's going to be, be a big plus. Uh, we haven't seen him really tested yet defensively, but he should be okay at Fenway Park in left field. Again, chatting with Joe Castiglione, voice of the Boston Red Sox for many a year. Joe, how do you size up the American League East right now? And what, what's your feel as to the team or teams to beat if there is one? Well, I think it's uh, wide open. And uh, again, it's the strongest division in baseball. I think on paper, Toronto looks the strongest. Uh, they're more balanced offensively with more left-hand hitters. Uh, last year, they were so right-handed uh, heavy. I think they've got a guy who can step up to be an ace in Alex Manoa. And I think that uh, you know they've got a strong, fairly strong bullpen, not maybe the greatest. Uh, uh, Yankees are always going to be a force with their power. And uh, Gary Cole at the top of the rotation. But they have some question marks. And we never count on Tampa Bay, no matter what happens. The Rays always seem to rebuild their bullpen and sometimes their rotation. And, of course, when you have McClanahan, if you get Glass now going at 100% and uh, some of the other arms, that's going to be very tough to beat the Rays as well. Baltimore did very little in the offseason. I think they're better with the young prospects, but I don't think they're ready to take that leap yet. And and the fact that the teams are only playing 14 division games instead of 19, how much do you think that will help the overall win total numbers of all the teams in this division? Because I, I look at Boston last year, had they played more games out of division, you know, they may have been further in contention for a postseason spot. No question about it. I think there was something like 26 and 52 against the East. It's going to help the victory totals for every club in the AL East because they won't be pounding on each other. And I think that'll be a big factor. And, uh, you know, it'll make maybe more wild cards uh, out of the AL East as a result. The other thing I was curious on, and we didn't really touch in great detail on the rotation, but how important is Chris Sale? And what is, in your mind, a good season for Chris, based on the fact that he really has not pitched a lot over the last few seasons? Yeah, 11 games in four years. Uh, Chris Sale uh, is critical to this team. They really need him to step up and be a number one. Uh, Corey Kluber started the opening game. He's been decent, but you know, he's not the same pitcher he was when he won two Cy Youngs. And who knows if Chris Sale is or not. The velocity has been there during the early going. Uh, at times, the slider's been devastating. At times, it's rolled in. But he's so important to have for this team. He's going to be a, a six-inning pitcher for the most part. But he's got to be able to uh, shut the opponents down and get the ball to the seventh or eighth inning guys is it realistic to hope for 30 starts out of him or if you're getting 130 150 innings somewhere in that range is that you know a major step i would say they'd settle for 150 innings right now i don't he probably wants 200 but i think that that's very important that uh, he go 150 or so and not spend a lot of time on the injured list you know he's he's long and lean and uh He's had some issues, but we'll see uh, how the arm holds up. Um, he says he's got a 31-year-old arm. His body's 34, so we'll see how that plays. It should be interesting to see indeed. Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. We will see you this coming week at Tropicana Field. Okay, Neil, we'll look forward to being with you. 
And that is Joe Castiglione, voice of the Red Sox for a long time on the Boston Red Sox Radio Network. And we certainly appreciate his time on our program today. And we certainly appreciate the time of all of our guests, starting with outfielder first baseman Luke Rayleigh, who is in the lineup on this Sunday. And certainly it was great to just learn his story. It's certainly a unique one. Uh, and I think that uh, he is uh, a guy to watch this year and hopefully continues to grow in his role. Appreciate the time, too, of Doug Wechter from Bally Sports Sun. Speaking of growing into roles, he's become the primary guy in the pregame and postgame for the Rays and does a fantastic job and gave us a really good look in terms of evaluating this group and the terrific start that they are off to so far this season. Also appreciate uh, the ability to chat with James Shields, the podcast that he was part of. I really hope you're going to listen to it if you haven't already. It's available on Apple, it's available on Spotify, and it's also available at RaysBaseball.com slash podcast. want to remind you, too, that, well, you have the opportunity to be involved with the Running with the Rays 5K and Family Fun Run. It's Sunday, April 16th, a week from today. Fans can join in person or virtually. A portion of all proceeds benefit the Rays Baseball Foundation. Register at RaysBaseball.com slash 5K. A couple of things for you. want to remind you that coming up, we've got the pregame show. If you ever have something you want to hear, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Thanks to Jason Berenger back in our network studios. Thanks on-site to Chris Miller, Becca Carney, Alex Fuse, and Parker Welsh for all their help in putting together today's program. I'm Neil Solons, and thanks for listening. This is This Week in Rays Baseball, and you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.